Thank you for joining us on a Morley podcast with Tony May. Morley podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith, are not dead. And Morley Podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. Welcome to this week's Morley Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Main. We have a great show today, and we're also excited to announce up front. The Ranger for Life will begin our More Elite Transition Plan courses starting in February. These eight-week, one-hour courses are designed to prepare our Rangers and to really to indoctrinate into the culture of the Ranger Regiment the need for a transition. And we've got some fantastic master trainers who are going to assist our Rangers along the way. We want Rangers to stay in the Regiment, but once they decide to leave, it's our job to make sure that they have the best transition possible. And what a better segue, although not scripted or written, what a, what a better segue than to bring on Ben Mended. I think Ben has done more in, in his short lifespan than, than, than most of us do in a, in a full life. And Ben, you are moving in a million different directions, and we'll talk about that. Thanks for coming on today, and I want you to hit us off right away. What is Bear Hug? cattle company that name is that a okay bear what is that uh first of all thank you for having me on um so what bear hug cattle company is it's a 501c3 nonprofit um that's headquartered out just outside of bozeman montana and what it is it's a 10-week basically transition assistance course for veterans and it takes guys and gals who are transitioning out of the military or have recently transitioned out of the military and gives them the skills, resources, opportunities to get involved in the ranching industry. So what that looks like um, in all reality is um, us getting transitioning veterans and then doing 10 weeks of on-the-job training on all these big historic ranches out in the West in Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, and then hopefully giving veterans the skills to then, after that course, get hired on to any one of those ranches um, for kind of a post army career. Well, I, you know, I mentioned on social media, you tie this in, you know, I am all brushed up on my Yellowstone, right? So I pretty yeah. much totally understand the ranching industry, um, in Montana, but in all seriousness, where, where's the passion to do this from? Is that a, a history of, of, of ranching in the family? Something that you did at one time? Where's that come from? That is a long story. I'll try and give the quick uh, Cliff Notes version. But so to answer your question directly, no, it is not something that is in my family. I actually grew up in New Jersey, about 15 miles outside of New York City, had never touched a horse, been around cattle or anything. Um, when I was stationed um, at in Fort Benning, uh, when I was in 3rd Ranger Battalion, actually, um, I got involved with, it kind of always been a lurking passion of mine, something that I knew I wanted to kind of try. So I got involved with someone who was a reigning horse trainer down near Fort Benning, Georgia, near Pine Mountain, and started riding with him, instantly fell in love with it, um, moved from riding reigning horses to cutting horses, which are horses that are bred specifically to work cattle, um, started doing that and showing those horses and competing in that, and then fell more in love with it, and then kind of wanted to take it to the next level, which was you know, learn to ride, learn to show and compete, and then learn to do it 
for work and uh, kind of the real deal out on ranches. And so over the course of a few years, that was kind of my journey. And it was very difficult to do because the industry is really hard to break into if you don't have a background in it, because no, you know, it's not easy to have access to a horse. It's not easy to have access to someone who is going to take an hour out of their day to show you how to ride the horse and train you over the course of a couple of years. I was just really fortunate to have met some, some really awesome people who had a passion for teaching. Um, and so they basically brought me along for a couple of years really graciously. And, um, you know, I fell in love with it. And so that's kind of how I got involved in it to start. And then I was working on ranches on the weekends and over on leave and everything and got more and more plugged in with the community and realized how special of a community it is. And, you know, I'm sure we can get into this later, but the parallels between the ranching community and the military are just shocking, uh, how similar they are culturally. And so I fell in love with it. And then as I transitioned out of the military, I really kind of was like looking for direction, something to do, and then ended up um, out West working on a bunch of uh, those ranches, kind of floating around from place to place, learning as much as I could. And as this was going on, um, you know, maybe a year prior to me moving out West, we had started Bear Hug Cattle Company in Georgia, moved it to North Carolina outside of Fort Bragg, and then made the decision to move it out to Montana, which will be its permanent location. Um, but it's been a really cool journey and uh, definitely a challenging one, which is kind of what we're trying to do is make that whole journey for veterans leaving the military much easier to get into an industry that is just so, so ripe for veterans. Well, and you had mentioned that. I would think it'd be something about the discipline. You said the cultural I think it'd be a little bit of a no-nonsense. You do your work or you don't, and, and kind of really a, a discipline-based culture there. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things about the culture that are just so attractive to people who are coming out of the military, especially people who are uh, coming off of high-functioning teams in the military. And so you mentioned, one, the discipline, right? You There's a lot that goes into becoming good at this, just like there's a lot that goes into becoming a good ranger a good soldier, you, there's a lot of individual tasks that you really need to put in a lot of sweat equity to get good at. And there's no excuse or, or way to get around that. Like you just have to put in time and effort, um, in a structured way to get good at it. And then, you know, long hours outside, waking up at four thirty in the morning, catching horses, going and working, you know, you don't work based on time you work until the job is done or the mission is complete there's um a sense of selflessness right you're taking care of animals before you're you're feeding your horses and taking care of them before you're going to get dinner um everything's based on teamwork right so it's really hard to do these kind of ranch things by yourself and so what ends up happening is these ranches form these small, really high functioning teams who can do these amazing things without hardly saying a word to each other because they, they click and can, can get things done really well. And so, and then also this community just tends to attract just really values based leadership oriented, high quality people. And so you have these really amazing people doing this really inspiring work that's really hard and tough and gritty and takes a lot of discipline to get good at and it's just a really similar recipe to what makes the military so special 
and that same kind of formula is existing in the ranching community it's just really hard to break into it unless you kind of know what you're doing well and so that's why the nonprofits established this kind of 10-week um, course that people go through to learn and i'm sure that there's mentorship and then introduction into some pro- possible hiring outcomes so how how do people come to you is this part of a army critical skills program um is this through socom transition assistance uh fellowship is there a transition fellowship there with SOCOM or right now is it just kind of in the neophyte stage and you, you take people who have the time? Yeah. So right now, and to answer your question of how people come to us, it's, it's almost exclusively through word of mouth and all that kind of stuff. And so for instance, this year, as we did applications to choose our program participants for this coming summer, 2022, we had about 45 people who wanted to do the program and we only have the resources to do four. Um, and the reason for that is because with each person who does a program, right, you know, they need three horses. Um, so if we're doing four uh, participants, that's 12 horses, which means now you need two trucks, two trailers. It's just the resource scale goes really quickly when you're having to transport livestock across four different States out West Um, And then that becomes kind of a burden on some of the ranches if you're showing up with 15, 16 horses to to come work for a week. And so our throughput is kind of limited right now to Mm -hmm. about four people per class. Those people come to us through word of mouth, social media. Um, We're not affiliated with any kind of SkillBridge or official transition assistance program at this point. We have um, talked to the SkillBridge folks and are kind of working through what it looks like to be a part of that program. Uh, it's definitely something we're working towards in the future. Um, but, you know, the, the more awareness we can get for this program, the more we'll have the ability to receive donations, which means we'll be able to help more people, which means we'll get more donations, which means we can help more people. So it's kind of this flywheel effect that we've kicked off and we're kind of trying to just keep up with the momentum of it at this point. I would assume that a, a donor would love to the opportunity to see that work in po- progress. There's not a more beautiful, beautiful spot to be able to do that. And as you're mentioning your business model and kind of going through this, you're a little bit uh, busy August through May, right? Like you kind of, now I wouldn't call it a day job, but you got something that's taking up your time. T- tell us how did the desire, the want to, and then your experience at Harvard in the business school, how did that come about? Another long story, but a great question. So as I was beginning to think about transitioning out of the military, that's obviously a really heavy decision. So from the time I was 18 till I was 28, I just had known nothing but being in the military. I didn't even honestly really think about what I would do after the military in any capacity. And then kind of as I got to a point in my career where I started thinking about some of that stuff, I I spoke to a bunch of mentors and you know, all the stuff with Bear Hug Cattle Company was really just kind of starting to take off um, at a really exponential rate at this point. And so something I have said before is um, I I have found that, you know, my passion is whatever I'm doing, I want to kind of be doing it at the varsity level. And and if if it's running a nonprofit, I want to be running the best nonprofit. If it's being a platoon leader, I want to have the best platoon. If it's um, riding horses. I want to make sure my horse is the best that it can be and all that stuff. And so, um, 
as I kind of started to transition out, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to try and do it at um, a high level. Um, and so I started thinking about and talking to mentors about the potential of doing business school and kind of how that could open doors to to, to take either bear hug to the next level um, in terms of the business knowledge and the connections and the network that you would make there. And then also the option to have different opportunities after that school to be influential in the community out West. And so it just kind of fit in that sense of um, going to business school kind of seemed like a tool to take bear hug cattle company to the next level. And it seemed like a tool to take kind of, a bunch of options and put them on the table afterwards to continue to try and be influential and helpful in that community. Um, and so that's kind of how I landed on the decision to do the business school route and also simultaneously um, the nonprofit route. So we find that a lot of rangers, um, because there's generally a um, decent level of higher education in the background pushed by regiment through now the battalion education counselors, as well as just the culture of producing leaders for the army. Leaders for the army needs need advanced degrees. So what was, even though you're a West Point graduate, all right, so there, there's something in the in your uh, mental rucksack there that it's going to allow you to succeed. But what was the hardest part in that transition to business school? What, what, what has been where, where you have honestly struggled in, in business school? Uh, that's a great question. It's been, it's been really interesting. The transition in some sense hasn't been difficult in the ways that I imagined it would be. So, right. Like coming from the military, not having been in a classroom for six, seven years, I assume that, you know, getting the routines of studying and homework and all that stuff would be kind of more challenging. That stuff, you know, basically just reverted back to the habits I had in college. And that was pretty easy. I think the biggest shift, um, the hardest thing maybe to deal with in terms of that transition is kind of the cultural difference between the life I was living and the, the, the life that is business school. Right. And so I came from the military where I was on small teams with my best friends and in work environments that I loved and were really challenging and fulfilling. And then I went out West and was working out West and working on ranches where I was getting the same thing, this purpose driven small teams. Um, and then I transitioned to business school and it's a very individual effort in some sense. Um, so, right. Like you're left alone to determine what jobs you want to apply for internships with. And you're left alone to determine what classes you want to take. And you're left alone to determine what professors you want to engage with and what student groups you want to join. And it's very unscripted. And so coming from two career fields that are very scripted um, in terms of like, you know, if you want to go to a school in the army. Milestone chart, not, right? Yeah. Exactly. Milestone Someone chart, is gonna, yeah. Someone's going to show up on Monday morning and say, Hey, you're going to jump master school or, Hey, you're going to this school or that school. And so like, like in all reality, for a large extent, you can kind of sit back and focus on your job. And then someone who's in charge of you will guide you in, on your career path and say, Hey, you know, I've worked with you for this long. I think you should do these three things to get to this next level, which will be best for your career. And like, I can see where your career wants to go over the course of 20 years. So like, and here's exactly how you get that. Um, and right. There's more leeway and, 
critical thinking and, and relationship stuff that goes into all that. But, um, in the business school route, it's kind of, you just show up and you just have to start digging and scratching the surface on a bunch of different things. And there is no one who is going to tell you, Hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this job. Maybe you should go apply or, you know, this class would really help you, um, develop this idea that you have, or, so it's just kind of a much more individual effort in that sense, which, not a deal breaker, but it was just really like, I, it took me a couple months of playing catch up. I kind of just showed up and assumed that someone would tell me, Hey, these are the classes you should take. These are the jobs you should apply for. These are the talks that you should go to. Um, and, and that just kind of never happened. So I started figuring out like, Oh, like I think I have to start really doing the legwork to figure out where I want to go. And then now I'm the one who has to set up all the steps to get there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But before that, that's interesting because you started because you're in that that institution, right? Sounds like it can be somewhat a little bit unstructured, probably for a reason. I mean, no place like business school to make sure that someone's motivated to figure things out. Prior to that, though, and going to business school after your transition, you had mentioned that you you talked to some mentors, right? So for those folks listening, like, how, how did you, was that comfortable, uncomfortable for you to reach out to people? What was your process to kind of like help you um, make some decisions about where to go and, and what to do? How did that come about? Yes, that process was uncomfortable to answer your question directly. And I think I put myself kind of in, um, in a bad position for that because I had, I had not really thought about transitioning out of the military until all of a sudden I was. And so I, I kind of went from zero to 100 thinking about that in a very short amount of time and then started seeking the advice of mentors. And so how those conversations kind of went was I had two, maybe three different groups of mentors or people I went to for advice. One was, you know, personal relationships outside the military, um, family, friends who were in business and different sectors who were successful in that sphere was kind of one group. Um, my peers, military and non-military was another group. And then, you know, my mentors in the military was kind of the third group. Um, and I'm notorious for asking a million questions and getting way too much input before I make a decision. And so, um, I kind of started approaching those conversations by just saying, Hey, you know, I, for the first time I'm thinking about things outside of the military. What would I even do if I wasn't in the military, like what, what kind of jobs do people have? You know, do you enjoy it? What's the culture like where you work? Do you work in a small team? Do you work by yourself? All this kind of stuff to just, the first step was really just trying to understand what life outside the military might even look like. And then how I might fit into that. And if I thought that might be better than the next job I was going to take in the army. Um, and so I kind of just, got all that data from those kind of groups of people and then similar conversations potentially slightly more sensitive if you're having them within the context of like your military mentors um because in my experience at least those people are are typically trying to see you be successful in the military um not not all of them will kind of uh force that opinion on you but some of them will say hey like you know you've been successful in the military and i think it's a totally valid argument if you've been successful you 
more than likely will continue to be successful and like the people who you lead and the people who have invested time and energy to make you a good leader in this organization would love to see you continue to lead in this organization. And so um, it, it's definitely a trickier conversation with those people, but um, kind of just gathered all the data from those groups and then kind of started thinking about, okay, what, what am I looking for? What do I value? How can I use this information to try and make an informed decision about all that? And then in all reality, like it, it was really, really a difficult decision to make. And I feel like I probably had more data than most people would get on that decision. Um, and it was still, you know, till the day I got out of the military, I was kind of back and forth like, hey, is this the thing that I'm going to be doing? And it's because like we had just briefly talked about, you know, I spent 10 years living one way of life doing one thing. And then you're basically deciding to give that up, give up your paycheck, give up your health benefits, give up your the language that you speak that you know, give up your friends, give up the place that you live. And then you're choosing to go into something that's completely unknown um, other than the input you've gotten from other people. Um, and so it's a difficult decision. And I think, you know, you have to weigh what it is you want and then approach those mentorship conversations in a way that is going to try and contribute to you understanding if getting out is going to give you the thing that you want. Well, ben, you, you touched on something. All right. And we had that on a, on a title slide, you know, cult, cultivating brotherhood. So there seems to be the culture is kind of changing a little bit where folks are learning because of social media tools, LinkedIn, that there are people you can go and, and, and talk to if you want to get some advice, whether you're active duty or or a veteran. What have been some things and some tools that you've done? Because you serve as a mentor for, for folks almost every day. If someone wants to go to a, you know, someone wants to go to Harvard or a high level MBA, you're kind of like on the short list being there right now of, of people to contact. Yeah. So one thing that I'll highlight is, um, so Lieutenant Colonel Dan Ferrier, who was the third range battalion XO and S3. I, um, I no one likes Dan Ferrier, by the way. Yeah. Um, one, we've decided that no one likes Dan Ferrier. Yeah, I think I think he's the most loved uh, person in the entire army, and and there's there's not one person retired probably. You know, yeah, there's not. That's good stock. That's good stock. Yeah, there's not one person that you can bump into who served in the army in the last twenty years who doesn't know him. Um, Big big personal mentor of mine. Um, Really, really, just phenomenal leader. And so what he. And I kind of at his direction, I will not take credit for this. He had asked us to start a LinkedIn group um, called 75th Ranger Regiment MBAs. And what we're doing right now is trying to pool everyone who's come from the 75th Ranger Regiment and is currently in a um, top tier MBA program into this LinkedIn group. And then it'd be a space for Rangers who are transitioning out and thinking about the business school route to kind of join the group and feel free to pose any questions about how they decided on schools and application questions, essay questions, interview questions, job questions. Um, And so that's one resource that um, people can use now that's kind of been created and up and running on LinkedIn um, so that, so that everyone can kind of have the best access to information that they can. Um, As I was making the decision, I really, there was no such thing that existed like that. And so what I did was, I just had reached out to an, another um, 
officer from Third Ranger Battalion who was at Harvard Business School, uh, who I knew from Third Ranger Battalion, and I had him kind of give me the rundown on the application, the culture, the people, the job opportunities. Did he like it? Would he do anything differently? And then I kind of tried to find a person at each of the schools I was interested in to, to do that and make that connection with. Um, but hopefully this group on LinkedIn will serve as a place where rangers that are thinking about the business school route and want more information can kind of have centralized access to those people who have, who have been in business school programs and, and have come from the regiment. So we'll be sure to use that as a referral as well down here at the Ranger Outreach Center. It seems that route, now that rangers feel that, and they've seen the path of folks like yourself and your mentors, it is not, can we get there? It's what we want to do while we're there. Does it, is it really, is it really the best fit? So Ben, we're coming to the close of our time. I want to say thank you so much for being here, especially uh, in the holidays, Christmas coming up and being back in Jersey, the Montana cowboy in New Jersey, uh, which I just absolutely love. Kind of proving a ranger can be all things at all times, I think. But I would like for you quick, like go over with us. Like people want to find out a little bit more about Bear Hug Cattle Company. I know you got some social media, you got a website. What's kind of the best way to, to dive in and, and what's the next event? What's coming up? Yeah, the easy way to find us is at Bear Hug Cattle Company on Instagram. If anyone has any questions, they could reach out on Instagram. The website is bearhugcattlecompany.org. There's also a way to reach out, um, donate, contact, anything you need to do. It's on the website. Information about upcoming uh, programs is also on the website. The next big event um, is our program coming summer of uh, 2022, which is starting at the end of May. We have three participants, uh, three out of the four participants already um, selected for that program. Two of them are Ranger Regiment uh, veterans um, who are going to be transitioning out and going into the agriculture industry after. Um, so really, really fired up about that. Um, and then the next kind of big event after that is at the end of the summer, Bear Hug Cattle Company is putting on uh, kind of a end of summer rodeo in Bozeman, Montana. Um, we'd love to have anyone who would like to come out and support and come to a cool event and see the guys who have gone through the program compete in town. Uh, it's going to be a pretty special event with, uh, with the community of Bozeman. So that's uh those are the big ways to contact us and the the big things that are coming up that just just great thank you so much for that please send me information after on on this rodeo i have to talk to household six i'm excited i've talked to household six as soon as possible to get that on the main calendar Ben, once again thank you for coming on thanks for what you're doing with bear hug cattle company be being a mentor to rangers putting yourself out there being available with the 75th Ranger Regiment's um, MBA page on LinkedIn. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas. What a great podcast. So thankful to have Ben on with us. And, and what I learned out of this, there are people who, through their journey, are trying to share lessons learned. The biggest step you can really take is that step to ask for assistance, to ask for help. And so for your rest of the day, today, prior to Christmas Eve, just take a little bit of time to intentionally do something great for somebody else. Rangers lead the way.
We hope you enjoyed a Morley podcast with Tony May, and we appreciate your viewership. If you'd like to hear more from Tony or one of his guests, you can view or listen to past episodes at TonyMain.Podbean.com. Until next time, be a community builder for America.